Well, good morning, church. So glad to be with you this Sunday morning. Hey, guys, if you've been a part of Promise Keepers at any point, just raise your hand. I want to see hands all over the room. Look, look, I'm telling you what. Promise Keepers has been around for decades. They've been a go-to resource. You do not want to miss out on this. 12 years old and up. 12 years old and up. This is going to be a great thing. We're going to have it right here. Great experience for us to go to together. It's going to be great. Sign up for that. Be a part of that. So we're in the middle of this series called I'm In. It's about the belonging that we have, the connection that we have, and the influence that we have together. So if you're in, I want to hear you say it. If you're in, say, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. And so we're going to jump into God's Word today, and we're going to talk about how we are invaluable. So the title for today's message is I'm Invaluable. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, we'll begin in verse 12. Thumb your way there in your Bible, on your device, and of course, you can follow along right on the screen. Here at Union Chapel, we stand in honor of reading God's Word, so if you're able, please stand. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, the one has many parts... But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free. We were given all the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Isn't that a great comfort to see those words? (laughs) While our presentable parts need no special treatment, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Thank you. You may be seated. May God inspire us through the reading of his word. I just want to start this message off with a prayer. And here's the reason why. This is a tough one to preach. It's even a tougher one for you to believe. The fact that you are invaluable. So can we just pray? Jesus, we come before you. We thank you that you are the risen Lord. We thank you that you speak, that you move. We thank you that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives within us. And so we reject the lies that come from hell that tell us we are not enough, and we choose to believe you. So speak, Lord Jesus. Do your thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so when I say you're invaluable, inside you're probably rolling your eyes a little bit. Yeah, right. It's easy for us to believe this about other people, but it's really hard for us to believe it about ourselves. 
but that is a lie from the pit of hell. The devil wants you to believe that it wouldn't matter so much if you just unplugged, that you don't make much difference. If you just stop coming, if you just stop showing up, if you just stop doing your thing, no one would ever notice, but God would. And so here's what we have to do, friends. We have to replace those lies with truth, don't we? Here's the first truth. I want you to see it. Number one is it comes up on the screen that we are exponentially better together. And so when we come together, we're more than just the sum of our parts. And so it's summertime, I promise, won't be a long message. And we're going to have a little bit of fun. Can we play a little game with some pictures? Can we do that? And so you're going to see a group of animals on the screen. And so here's my competition. The competition is this. I want you to figure out what a group of those animals is called. So here's the first animals. Yep, here's some elephants. Elephants are on the screen. So what is a group of elephants called? Help me out. Group of elephants is a herd. That's right. That's right. That's right. And here's some big cats from Africa. Check out these lions on the screen. So what is a group of lions called? A pride. That's right. Hey, somewhere, Spencer Matheny, he's singing Hakuna Matata right now. I just know it. I know it's happening. All right, here's some more wild cats. Let's check them out on the screen. No, those are not leopards. Those are cheetahs. Those are cheetahs. What are cheetahs called? This one's a little harder. Did somebody just say Cheetos? Hey, the dad jokes come from here when I'm preaching. Come on, come on, come on. Cheetos are a coalition. Coalition, check that word out. All right, back to the farm now. Here's a group of donkeys. What are a group of donkeys? Hey, hey, hey. We don't say that word in church, you guys. The other word for a group of donkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a pace. That's a pace. All right, do you see these blackbirds? These are crows. Here's a fun fact about crows. Crows can remember your face for up to five years. That's a little creepy, isn't it? What's even creepier is what a group of these crows are called. Anybody know what the group of crows are called? A murder. All of a sudden, Alfred Hitchcock is way, way creepier, isn't he? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And here's some other birds with really pretty heads. Yep, yep. Here's some vultures, some vultures. Now, when I heard Pastor Craig tell me what a group of these animals are called, I knew you are not telling the truth. That is, that is a lie. You're just trying to be funny. But check it out on the screen. Check it out on the screen. A group of vultures is called a committee. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Thanks be to God, we don't have any committees at Union Chapel. We minister in teams because we don't want to peck dead flesh off of each other. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Thanks for staying awake through that. Let's shift gears just a little bit. What is a person who loves Jesus and follows him called? Well, that person is called a Christian. And what's a group of people who love Jesus, believe his word, are filled with his spirit and seek him with all of their hearts? Well, they are called the church. And just like these animals, they're different when they're in a group. You and I, we are exponentially different when we come together as the body of Christ. I love the words of Jesus. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say, I'll build my people. He didn't say, I'll build my disciples. He said, I will build my church. So us together, we are a force to be reckoned with that not even hell can defend against. And so we're exponentially more when we're connected with the body of Christ. And I just want to brag on you guys of all the things we do. We are exponentially more outwardly. 
And just think about all the things we accomplished in serve. I'm just going to drop some serve statistics on you right now. Did you know that our teams moved 40 tons of river rock stone? Oh, my goodness. Two homes were painted. They weeded and mulched and cleaned up the yards in six people's homes. And then we partnered with 20 local organizations doing everything from sorting goods to cleaning, painting, gardening, you name it. At Camp Red Wing, we cut down and hauled out 5,000 cubic feet of trees and branches, painted six bathrooms, eight showers, and three latrines, and consumed 24 s'mores. <laughs> and so all this, all this, what if I walked up to you and said, hey, 40 tons of river rock, here's a shovel. You're just going to go just dig a hole and put me in it. Impossible, impossible. But also think about this. That's the outward exponential difference when we're the body of Christ. There's also this outward exponential difference in you and in me. Because you know how this worked. There are lots of serve teams that spread mulch. Now, you talk to them. It was so great. We had a good time. We worked so hard. It was awesome. But when you take them to their house and you say, hey, how was spreading mulch today? It was awful. <laughs> Please let it end. Why is spreading mulch so much more meaningful during serve week than it is in your own front yard? It's because we're doing it together. We're better together. You see, friends, that's why small groups are so important. Because when we come together, we encourage each other. We release God's gifts in our lives, and he shows up in a greater way in our own lives. And I want you to think about ministry teams, because they function like small groups here at Union Chapel. And you can get involved with the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders with kids and 180, or the first impressions team. And I just want to brag on our media team, on our tech teams. Because they show up early, they work hard, they get great shots. You don't know it, but they're back there mixing things, making, all the, making it sound great. And when I come up with crazy pictures and ideas, they make all the pictures and words come up at just the right time to help you connect with God. And if you're sick or you're on vacation, you can tune in online and have an incredibly meaningful experience, all thanks to them. But they're not all working, no play. Like, they have a good time. But not only that, they support each other. They encourage each other. I don't know if you noticed this, but last time we did baptisms, some of the people on our team got baptized. And Austin Craig, he's kinda, he kind of leads the charge there. He's the one who dunked them because they're living life together. You see, you and I, when we come together, we don't just get to show off our strength. We get to gain the strength of one another. We're exponentially more when we are together. Jesus was talking about prayer. And he talked about the power of agreeing in prayer in his name. And he said this statement, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And so when we get together, Jesus says, here I am. When we, when we link up together, Jesus says, I'm here to a greater degree. We're exponentially more when we're together. Isn't that a good truth? Here's another truth. I want you to see it on the screen. It's number two is that I belong. Everybody, can you say, I belong. I belong. That is right. I belong no matter what I feel. You see, this passage encourages me. Paul's not just, he's not waxing eloquently about theology, about deep things. He's attacking this insecurity that every single one of us have because we all feel unimportant. We all feel insignificant. And when you read like the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, I love the, I love the Corinthian church because they've got issues <laughs> and we can relate to them, can't we? And Paul, he's not real nice about it. He says, well, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. So not that smart, not that rich, not that talented. Does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> it sounds like me. 
Jesus says, great, I have a place for you. I have a role for you to play. I need you. In fact, other places in the Bible, we say, we hear these statements, well, uh, what if I'm weak? Well, Jesus said, I like to use the weak to confound the strong. Maybe, maybe I'm a little foolish sometimes. That's never, ever been said of me. But you know what? God chooses to use the foolish sometimes to confound the wise. Friends, there's a reason we're called the family of God. It's because we all belong. From the beginning, the church has been defined in relational terms. There's the bride of Christ, the fellowship of believers, the people of God, followers of Christ, and even the Greek word church, it's ekklesia. It means literally fellowship. But you know what? We have to work at belonging, don't we? I don't want you to miss the intensity of what Paul is saying to this church. We see it a lot in the New Testament, whether you're Jew or Gentile, we go, oh yeah, think about this. For four or five times longer than the United States of America has been in existence, there's been tension between Jews and Gentiles. You think the accusations and the things that have been ingrained in the Jews and Gentiles against each other just went away because they walked into church? No. They had to make belonging happen. They had to embrace the differences in each other. And imagine whether you're slave or free. Talk about a distinct difference there. Talk about tension in the room right there. Slaves and slave owners. <laughs> Slaves and free people worshiping together, coming together. And here's what Paul's telling us. We need to push our differences aside and embrace each other. You know, we've got every flavor at Union Chapel. We've got right wing. We've got left wing. We've got independent. We don't do politics because we've got a bigger mission than politics at stake. So here's what we do. We push our differences aside and we embrace Jesus. We embrace each other and we make belonging happen even though it may be challenging sometimes. That's what it's about. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. So don't be fooled. We don't look the same. We don't think the same. We don't feel the same. But we are one. We are one. We are part of the body of Christ. You know, there's so much of 1 Corinthians is focused on this church getting along with each other. They've got all kinds of issues. I mean, lots of issues going on. But their relationships were the tension point, the biggest tension point that Paul dealt with. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. He said that the world will know that you're my disciples. What? If we're faithful? The world will know you're my disciples if you work really hard. Nope, nope, not it. You're shaking your heads. The world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. It's a powerful statement. That's in John 13, 35. Another truth we need to hold on to is number three. Once you see it on the screen, it says, I matter. So friends, can you tell me, I matter? I matter. Thank you. And the same thing is true here. I matter regardless of how I feel. All right, look at your hand. The five digits on your hand. Here's the thumb. You know, it's the star of the show, right? The opposable thumb. It's what sets us apart in the evolutionary chain. If you're having a good day, hey, thumbs up. You know, so you get it. You get it. The thumb gets all the glory. And then there's the pointer finger. And we all know what this is like. You've ever been in trouble. You know what the pointer finger looks like? Yeah. And then there's the middle finger. It gets used too much when we're driving, doesn't it? Put that middle finger away. Stop using that thing. And then there's the ring finger, the thing with the bling. And it's the most photographed finger of all. It carries the jewelry. It's the symbol of our connection and commitment to each other. And then this last finger, it's called the pinky finger. 
Now look at your finger. My finger's not any pinker than the others, is it? It's like the stinky pinky. And so many times we can think that we're the stinky pinky. Here's what happens. People who study the hand and the tendons and how everything works together, they've realized that the pinky finger actually counts for 50% of the grip strength of your hand. So you feel like stinky pinky? You feel like you don't matter? Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. Half my strength. There's so much strength that comes through you. You are so important. Even though you may not stand out. Even though you may not be recognized. Pretty cool thing. Every part of the body is important. Everyone in the body of Christ is important. And this passage makes it painfully clear how unimportant we tend to feel. I want you to think about the parts of the body. There's a lot of them. There's 78 organs and glands, 206 bones, 2,800 square inches of skin, and 35 trillion red blood cells, 24 vertebrae, 23 discs, and 7 trillion nerves. And every single one of them is important. And all you young, healthy people out there, all those parts you're not thinking about, mark my word, your day's coming when one of those parts is going to fart out on you. And you're going to go, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? Well, that little part just decided not to work. You ask someone, that, that, little, that little disc between your vertebrae, when that thing goes out, oh my goodness, it will shut you down. I know that from personal experience. And you've got your own list of things that you've experienced in life. But when we take that and we apply that to the body of Christ, we realize how important every single one of us is. And so when we compare ourselves, it looks ridiculous. And I love the picture Paul paints here. If we have read this passage so much, it's really hilarious, isn't it? It's preposterous. It's outlandish. The foot saying, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong. I'm not important. And then the ear says, well, I'm not an eye, so I quit. What if the whole body were a big eyeball? Could you imagine that rolling around? Hey, here's eyeball. Oh, you can't blink. Sorry about that, pal. It's ludicrous. See, here's what happens. The foot and the ear received an invitation to a party. It's the same invitation that you and I receive from the enemy. And that party's called a pity party. And you know how it works. Pity parties are filled with comparison. It's basically a big time to compare ourselves to other people. How good everybody else has it, how bad I have it. And it's easy to accept that invitation. But I want you to reject that invitation because Jesus, he's sending you a much better invitation. He's sending you an invitation to a peace party. He's sending you an invitation to a joy party. He's sending you an invitation to change the freaking world party. And his party happens to last forever and ever in all eternity. That's a party you don't want to miss. Man, we all know what it's like to play the if only game. And you know how this works? Well, if only I was smarter. If only I was more articulate. If only I was more memorable. If only I was more confident. And you fill in the blank with whatever it might be. And then we take another step. Well, what if I was more like Pastor Greg? And you can fill in the blank. You can fill in whoever. The people that you respect and admire want to be like. And you, and you begin to compare yourself to them. And, and in the middle of that, you belittle yourself. And God's saying, no, no, no. I have a role for you. Because here's the truth, friends. This is exactly what Paul wrote. He said, God has placed all the parts just as he wanted them to be. If God wanted me to be smarter, he would have made me smarter. If God wanted you to be different, he would have made you that way. He made you just the way he wants you to be. You are the only one who can be you. 
you are the best you that you can be. That we can all grow and change, but, but here's the thing. God needs you. He doesn't need someone else. He needs you and he needs me. And verse 24 says that God gives greater honor to the parts that lack honor. And so in other words, the parts that seem the least important are the most important to God. It even says this that some parts of the body are never seen in public. And Paul writes, I quote, the parts that are unpresentable should be treated, treated with special modesty. Don't you appreciate that? So cover it up. We don't want to see that. Hashtag crack kills. Thank you. Okay, so you're still with me. You're still awake. You're still awake. You're still awake. Because we all want to cover up, don't we? We all want to hide. We're all afraid of failure. We feel expendable. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel weak. And friends, you should expect to feel that way from time to time. Maybe even more often than not. And so here's what happens. We have these two different opposite forces at work inside of us. We have how we feel about ourselves, which may or may not be true, but then we have what God says about us. We place a lot of stock in our feelings, don't we? Well, I feel, well, I feel. Well, when you feel like you're worthless and it doesn't line up with God's word, where are you going to go? I want to challenge you. Go with what God says about you because what God says about you is right every single time. If you've been around Union Chapel a while, uh, I call myself a parasite. I love quotes from Pastor Greg. And one, one of the phrases that he uses more often than not is this. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. And that always hits me right here. It challenges me to think of myself like Jesus thinks about me. And it's such a freeing, freeing thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing as we experience God together. Here's what we learn, friends. God uses our weakness to leverage his strength. So what does God think about you? You are invaluable. You are irreplaceable and you matter. I want you to see this next thought on the screen. Number four is I must see the potential of the part that I play. Here's a prayer I've prayed before. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've prayed it yourself. God, I just want you to move. In fact, I want you to move in spite of me. And in fact, just get me out of the way so that people can experience you. And I get it. We don't want to distract people. We want to encourage people to connect with Jesus, not push them away. But here's, that's, that prayer is actually bad theology. Because here's what happens, friends. When God sends encouragement, he sends encouragement through people like you and me. When God sends his power, when he sends his healing power, he sends it through people who are praying and connecting with him and believing God for great things. And so when God sends encouragement and joy and power, it always goes through his people, through his parts of the body. So we've got to see the potential that we play. We are Christ's hands. We are his feet. So if we're going to talk about the potential of the things that we do, if we talk about the potential of playing our part, we have to talk about the negative potential. And so, friends, there is a cost when we don't connect with Christ in this way. I want to read Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So here's how that works. God has orchestrated relationships and circumstances, and he wants to send his encouragement through you to someone else. What happens when you disconnect from Christ's body? What happens when you disconnect from him? That encouragement that he wants to send, that he's orchestrated all these things to go through you, it doesn't happen. Here's something else. 
you know Jesus' heart beats for people to know him. There are people in your life, there are people in my life who don't know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is working in them to draw them to himself. And when we disconnect from Christ, the opportunities that Jesus has laid out for them to take a next step with him don't happen because we've disconnected. I know you feel the weight of that, and I do too. But not only does it cost other people, it costs us personally. And I thought of some catchy one-liners that just kind of, you know, you use it or lose it. If you want to live it up, you've got to live it out. You won't feel a part till you play your part. But here's this, friends. When you disconnect from the body of Christ, you start to die. What happens when you cut off a part of your body? It immediately starts to die due to necrosis and lack of oxygen. Let's think of something not quite so extreme as cutting something off. You know what this is like. Maybe you took a nap or you're sitting on the couch or you're leaning over and you kind of lean on your arm funny and you fall asleep. And what happens in that moment is that the blood flow through your arm gets restricted. And while you're asleep, your arm goes numb. You don't even notice that it's happening. It just happens bit by bit. It doesn't even wake you up and you can't feel your arm. The same thing can happen to us spiritually when we restrict the flow of God in our lives, when we isolate ourselves, when we don't connect with the body of Christ, we fall asleep spiritually. And here's what happens sometimes in those moments when we feel numb towards God, we can say, God, why have you left me? And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. I want to pour myself into you, but you've cut yourself off from me. You've disconnected from the body and you can't experience everything that I have for you. And so, friends, it's, it's time for us to connect, reconnect with Jesus. You know, there's someone in the sound of my voice, you can feel the fire of God in your heart. Maybe you've experienced a miracle in your life, just answered prayer, and you are on cloud nine, and there's, you just cannot imagine not loving Jesus right now. Maybe you're still riding the high from serve, and you just sense the fire of God in your heart. Here's what the devil's doing in your life. He's not saying, you know, turn your back on God and everybody, burn the church down. He's not saying stuff like that. He's just saying, you need to disconnect. You need a break. And rest is something that God calls us to do. It's actually like super important to God. Like one of the 10 commandments has all to do with rest. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But the devil doesn't say, get alone with God. He says, take a break from God. And the excuse that we give, well, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just not doing anything. But here's what you're doing. You're just cutting off the flow. And then that numbness sets in. But I want you to see the positive potential of playing your part is so great. It's so wonderful. You will not want to miss out on it. Because when you play your part, you spread joy. You spread joy all over others. You spread joy all over yourself. And this last phrase that Paul uses, he says, when one part suffers, every part suffers. We get that. And when one part is honored, he doesn't say all the parts are honored, but he says all the parts rejoice. And I love that word rejoice. It's re and joy. Rejoice. So when we plug into the body of Christ, we bring joy back into our lives. We bring joy and peace and life and goodness and his presence into our lives when we plug into the body of Christ, when we play our role, when we do our thing, when we connect with each other, we spread joy. Remember that time that your arm or your hand fell asleep and you woke up, you didn't go, well, it's asleep. Maybe if I move it like this, 
and then like this. No, you start shaking it around like a wild man. You start, I've got to get some blood back in here. And it feels kind of funny, doesn't it? In fact, sometimes those pins and needles start kicking you. And then you realize, I've got to get the blood back in here. So maybe, maybe you feel awkward. Maybe you feel off a little bit. My friends, keep moving. <laughs> keep shaking it. Keep serving Jesus. Do something. Keep living for him. And the peace of God will come. And the joy of God will come. Experience him. Experience his goodness. Don't give up. Joy is right around the corner. God's peace is coming back. And if you don't know what to do, just do something. Pray. We can pray. Pray and you'll feel God's fire. Pray for the work that we're doing here. Pray for people in your life. Or maybe it's time for you to get involved with a small group. That's been on my list. I haven't done that. Now's the time to sign up. You go to the Union Chapel app, you click the connect card, you say, hey, I wanna be involved in a small group. We're gonna put you in a database of people. Here's what happens. Every single summer, groups kind of take a little break. Every single fall, we start new groups. You can be a part of that. Get in the system, connect with the body of Christ. Maybe that's a little too intimidating for you. That's okay. Look, if you are a male and 12 years old or older, you can be a part of Promise Keepers. We're gonna have it right here. They're going, to talk about how to, they're going to talk about authentic manhood. They're going to talk about how you can live your life authentically, genuinely before Jesus as a man. They've been doing it for decades. It's going to be great. It's going to be helpful. And I wonder, just maybe the Global Leadership Summit would help me understand my, the role I play in the kingdom of God and how to maximize my effectiveness for Jesus. Yeah, just maybe sign up for that. But the point is, we've got to do something. Here's this, friends. If you don't do something different, nothing will be different. I hear an amen because I know that's true in my life. We can't wish for it. We've got to do something. Because friends, you are invaluable. You matter. You belong. You have amazing potential. So how can we not play our part in the body of Christ? As the worship team comes up, would you bow your heads as we pray? Jesus, we come before you and we just confess that we're messed up, that we believe these lies so often. So often we feel like we're not good enough. We feel so insignificant. And, and even no matter how confident we are we, or how faithful we are, we still need to grow in this. We need to see ourselves like you see us, Jesus. So remove the blinders. Break down those lies. Set us free so that we can see our potential through your power instead of through our problems. Thank you that our weakness and our inadequacy only brings more glory to you. That blesses our hearts to know that, Jesus. So we reject the lie that we don't belong. We reject the lie that we can't make a difference. And we confess that we are here for you, Jesus. Help us follow you with our whole heart. And so, Jesus... We choose, we choose to make this place a place of belonging, a place where belonging is real. And so we choose in Jesus' name to push aside our differences, embrace each other so that we can come together for you and for our world. And maybe you're sitting there and for the first time, you realize that you don't feel like you're a part of the body of Christ because you've never become a part of the body of Christ. You've never committed your life to Jesus, and we can do that together. In fact, you can just pray these thoughts in your mind. As I pray these words out loud, you pray these in your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for drawing me to you. And I believe in you, that you are God's one and only son. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. I place my trust in you. Take my sin. 
Take my doubt. Take my failure. And I give all that I am to you. Thank you for giving all that you are to me. So fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's stand and worship our Savior together.